Welcome to worship. On this fourth Sunday in Lent, we're going to make you do some heavy lifting. Uh, We're going to hear the story about the man with two sons that's ordinarily called the prodigal son. There are much better titles available. And as we hear the text today, as we hear the sermon today, I would invite you to see if you can come up with a title that maybe is more apt for you. And this is not busy work, by the way. Uh, The reason for this is that how we see the parable really shapes how we see ourselves and how we see the mercy of God. stand for the reading of the gospel. According to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them parables. He said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So the father divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. There he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, A severe famine took place throughout that country. He began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would have gladly filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? And here I am, dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. And so he went off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, and he ran and he put his arms around him and he kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quickly, bring a robe, the best one, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat 
and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now, the elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. The servant replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. Then the brother became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, saying, Listen, all these years I have been working like a slave for you. I have never disobeyed your command, and yet you've never given me even a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, he who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother, this brother of yours, was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of our Lord. Won't you be seated? Grace and peace to you from God of steadfast love, the Christ of the resurrection, and the Spirit who knits us together to be living witnesses of God's extravagant love. It turns out that we're the ones on the porch as the party is going on inside. And what about this guest of honor who, in effect, has said to everyone in his life, you're dead to me. It's a little hard to welcome someone like that back to the fold, I would think. And that's not even the clincher. When the son asks, or effectively disinherits himself from the family, dad whips out the checkbook. Years ago, there was another title to this story called The Waiting Father. Helmut Thielicke had a charming little book about that, and I thought maybe he was onto something until I read the parable more. I mean, that kind of makes the father a little more passive and a little less of, I'm just going to say it, a chump. <laughs> because not only does he do what is not to be done by giving away the inheritance, when the son returns, he breaks out in a run. No self-respecting person of any status in his culture would dare do such a thing. So maybe it was good that the older son was spared the spectacle of this awkward, sloppy reunion. But here's the clincher. Nobody let the son know that there was a party in the going. 
thanks to a podcast of working preachers, that detail right there in the scripture was lifted up for us. It was when the older son heard the commotion that he comes to the house to find out what's going on. And so we're in pretty good company on the porch as the party goes on inside. We're there with that older, more responsible son, and I think many of us can identify with that. On my way out the door from first day, a couple of people shared stories as I was going about being the responsible one and the younger sibling being a little less responsible. So we can relate. But we're also on the porch with the scribes and the Pharisees who can't wrap their heads around the fact that Jesus would schmooze with sinners. And this is where the parable really starts to work us over. Jesus puts the screws to us and says himself, frequently, we will stumble. We will stumble over what Jesus says and what Jesus does. Fun fact, the word scandal comes from a word that means to trip or to stumble. And so we feel scandalized as we stumble over God's extravagant love for someone seemingly so undeserving. We stumble over God seeming to rather laugh with the sinner. What about us? What are we, chopped liver? Remember the words of the father to the son, that all I have is yours. But he also reframes the accusation about that son of yours to that brother of yours. So suddenly we become our sister's keeper and our brother's keeper, which it sounds nice until we start to consider who some of our sisters and brothers might be, that they're not always such desirable characters. Maybe we identify with the joy of things being found. After all, Jesus tells three stories, and you heard one of them. A lost sheep, poor little thing, a little distracted, wanders off, is found, and we're happy. A coin is lost. It's not like coins willfully absent themselves from the family or anything. They just get lost. Ask anybody who has car keys or house keys about that one. And we're so happy when we find them again. What's not to like? That's when Jesus increases the emotional temperature by introducing us to this wandering son, this chump of a dad, and the resentful brother watching the whole thing unfold. Because remember that Jesus tells these three stories to his critics. Professor Joy J. Moore credits Jesus by saying that he doesn't fight with his critics, he doesn't cancel them, he doesn't belittle them. He responds authentically, but with a very compelling, if troubling, story this story. 
of a party that's going on inside. A party where there we are on the porch trying to get past the scandal of God's extravagant love. And maybe that image of the father pleading with the son to come in and join the party is one that we can live with. Because it is God who so rejoices in the lost being found, in the dead returning to life. And so it is that we too, with the critics, with both sons, we are all invited to God's raucous, boisterous, bizarre, and loving party. Amen. Thank you.